Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at The Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. Well, good morning to you. I hope you're glad to be in the house of the Lord. I hope you didn't bring any unclean spirits with you. Criticism, jealousy, offenses. You know, one of the biggest problems with church and for church people is preconceived ideas. They think things up and how it ought to be and how it should be, and they can't conceive the thoughts of heaven because they're already occupied with their own thoughts. Lord, I ask that you clear our minds today of anything we thought it should be this way or it shouldn't be that way or what we think is going on or how we think. Lord, I ask that we'd be able to conceive, receive the word of God joyfully in a glad manner. Lord, in a manner that would affect our lives and Lord, in a manner that would bring glory and honor to you. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You have a Bible with you? I want you to pick it up. Say this with me. This is my Bible. And I'm going to be who it says I can be. I'm going to be what it says I can be. I'm going to do what it says I can do. I'm going to, I'm going to, and I'm going to. Everything it says about me is what I desire. It was written for me, for my correction. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. For my direction, somebody say, okay. And for my soon coming resurrection, somebody say, yes. Oh, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. That could be life-changing for you. And when you read it, when you read it, you come in agreement with what he's saying to you. It's amazing how quick we can come in agreement with what it's saying to somebody else. But it's meant to be what it's saying to us. This is your Bible. This is your word. Amen? It's so good to have uh, Pastors Abram and uh, Allie uh, Sword here with us this morning. Why don't you guys stand up for just a second? Uh, they're graduates of uh, the J3H School of Discipleship, and, and they serve the Lord out in uh, uh, Kyle, Texas, out uh, with Vertical Church there as youth ministers and so much more out there. We love you guys and so proud of you and good to have you home with us this morning. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servant saying, my camp will be in such and such place. Let's just stop here and, and get a, a perspective of what's taking place. A king is preparing to make war against Israel, the king of Syria, an enemy of the people of God. Israel, to you and I, in a modern way, would be you and I, because we are the people of God. We've been grafted in to Israel, and all the promises, all the blessings of Israel, we've been grafted in as believers, Gentiles that got connected uh, to the people of God. Are you with me? And so what we see here is, is there's a plotting, there's a planning of a war to take place. Well, I've got news for you. As you sit here right now, even though you don't see it, even though you don't feel it, I've got news for you. 
on the other side of this wall, on the back side of your mind, and for the plans that you have, the devil is making plans to ambush you. He is crouched at the door, the Word of God says. There's sin crouched at the door, just waiting for you to come out. Matter of fact, there are fowls of the Spirit that are waiting to come take the seed of the Word of God. Some people can't even remember the word Pastor Gretchen shared last week. Some people can't remember the word the Lord spoke to them in the morning time while they're reading the Bible. It's because the enemy has come and snatched it and taken it away. You see, you're living in spiritual warfare. You're living in an environment that the enemy is planning. How can I get you frustrated? How can I get you mad? How can I get you disappointed? How can I get you upset? How can I get you the enemy is doing anything he can to get inside of you or to get you out of something, to get into something so he can bind you and hold you. He is looking for a way to make war against you. And that's what's happening in this scenario is that there's a king planning and plotting. Remember, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Oh, let me tell you, and don't even wrestle in your mindset of what you think and what you thought and what you think somebody's thinking that you don't even know they're thinking, it's only because you thought they were thinking that. Yeah, it could get a little confusing. The devil is planning a plot against you right now. Right now. Verse 9, and the man of God, somebody say, thank God. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, beware. Notice everything starts to shift here. He said, beware that you do not pass this place. For the Syrians are coming down there, and the king of Israel sent someone to the place which the man of God had told him, and thus he warned, as he warned it was, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. So it was more than one time or two times. Listen, you might have a victory from 20 years ago that you still testify about, but I got news for you, that wasn't your only battle. That wasn't your only channel. Uh, this, this is a fight to keep you, to distract you from eternity. This is a spiritual warfare. And so what's happening in this scenario, what is taking place is interesting, is that the king of Israel, the leader of the people of God, is being informed by somebody saying, do not go down that way because he already knows that the king of Syria is setting up an ambush down there for him. That would be like me saying, hey, don't go to the bar tonight. Because you'll probably get drunk there and do some things you're not supposed to do. He said, oh, that's so simple. I wish everybody thought that was so simple. Yeah. Hey, don't let that argument go more than 30 seconds. Stop and pray. There is spiritual warfare. Oh, I know all that. Then why don't we stop? You see, the word already has an answer for us. It already has instruction for us. The prophetic is already going before them. It says, don't go there because the enemy is setting an ambush. And he wants to take you out. The king of Israel is being informed by the word of the prophet. Oh, there's references in the New Testament that makes reference that this is still possible. Matter of fact, it makes reference in the book of Hebrews, even about an Old Testament story. It said that Noah was divinely warned. God let him know. Listen to me. God let him know that it was going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. He said, well, yeah, I know that. Do you remember it had never rained before? There was no concept of rain. 
You see, we think we know it all, but there's things we don't know at all that the Lord needs us to know. And he needs all of us to know that you need a God who can divinely warn you of the traps the enemy is setting for you. We need a word of the Lord. We need a, a, a prophetic ear. We need a prophetic voice. We need to be around and in the setting to where we can experience from God what is needed so we don't experience what the devil is going to do to us because he wants to keep us from what we're needed for. Is anybody with me this morning? The Holy Spirit in John 16, 13. The very words of Jesus the Christ. He says, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whoever hears, he will speak. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will tell you things to come. Wouldn't that be helpful? I have a little GPS driving map. Maybe you have one also. And I can look and go, oh, man, the line just got red. I'm going to be in Chattanooga an hour longer than I was expecting. So I started looking for alternative routes. And listen, even if it takes longer, just as long as I'm moving, I'll take it. I like movement when I'm driving. He can be your foreknowledge. He is, his wisdom is above satellites. And listen, you need to have this because there's coming a wave of a movement that's already here. It's, it's mind-boggling me that people are thinking that artificial intelligence already knew. I mean, we've had it for years. It's on your phones. It's all around the place. They're just now allowed to say it because we've accepted it. But artificial intelligence will not get you to eternal freedom. Artificial intelligence will not give you the wisdom of God. There is nothing artificial about God. Amen? You can hear God's voice for yourself. And in this setting, Elisha is a foreshadowing of the Christ. Christ was a forerunner of your life. He became the example. As Elijah, Elisha could hear, so did Elijah hear. As Elisha hears, so did Jesus hear. And as Jesus heard God's voice, you can hear God's voice. You can be the prophetic voice for your family. You can be the one who receives an, an unction and a revelation from God and, and to realize that you can protect your family from pitfalls. Your own life, anybody's life. So Elijah is a Christ type. We have to know what's going on. He's making these plans. The enemy's making plans. He's wanting to ambush you. He's wanting to ambush the children of God. But before he can make his next move, picture a checkerboard. Before he can make his next move, everything changes. It's as if God already knows the devil's next move. But here's good news for you. The devil doesn't know God's next move. Verse 12, excuse me, we'll go to verse 11. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. Could you imagine? You don't say. Could you imagine you're making a plan and every time you make a plan, it's foiled? 
You use all of, your, all of your team and all of your troops and all of your wise people and all your astrologers, whatever you're using, you put that stuff in and you get there and it doesn't happen. So his heart is greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, he's saying, do we have a traitor in here? Is there one of us that is going and telling Israel what is going on? That would only make sense, wouldn't it? I got news for you. The Bible doesn't always make sense. And when you're living a life where everything has to make sense to you, you're probably not living a spirit-filled and spirit-lived life because it's not always going to make sense. You, you don't want to equate God out of the picture. You want revelation that brings God into the picture. You want to know that God is bigger than, better than, greater than. The invisible is greater than the visible. I want you to know God is greater than anything you can see. Is there a traitor among us? Have one of you become a spy? He said, and one of his servants said, none, none my Lord. He said to the king, he said, no, no, none of them. He said, oh, king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel. I will say this about the prophetic. It has a tendency to be recognized as a troublemaker to those who don't love and serve God. Hear me. Elijah, they called him, said, you're the troublemaker of Israel. He said, oh, no, I'm, no, yeah, I'm not the problem. You are. You're the problem. When you start to find problems with the word of God, problems with the preacher, problems with the ministry, that's not the problem. That's where things get healed. That's where things get changed. That's where the revelation comes. That's where the anointing moves. We become the problem when we see the things of God as the problem. Somebody needs to hear that. He said, none, my Lord, but king, it's Elijah, the prophet who is in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Mm. What? Can I say something? Not just your bedroom, but your car. Not just your bedroom, your car, but your secrets. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He knows your thoughts. You could be causing yourself more problems than what you think everybody else is causing you by the way you think and the way you speak and the way that you act. He said, I, I, he said listen, he said, I know this doesn't make sense, king. Could you imagine me the messenger to say to a king, nobody here is doing that. Nobody here is backbiting, gossiping, and doing that kind of stuff and telling this and, telling, and talking behind the back. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's not here. He said, there's a guy over there named Elisha, the prophet. He's not even in the same city. He said, he knows what you're saying in your bedroom. Your most private chamber. If that doesn't put the fear of God on you, I don't think anything will. I really don't. But that's our God. It doesn't make sense, but he's God. I was telling them in Virginia this past week, preaching about the transfiguration out of Luke chapter 8. Is that transfiguration is actually a, a transformation, predominantly meant for the good of something. And Jesus was transformed, glistening, white. The presence of God came on him. And then comes the Elijah, 
and, and uh, Moses, Moses and Elijah show up and he's talking to them. They're there. Men named Moses and Elijah are talking to Jesus. And lo and behold, I start seeing in that transformation there that Jesus is being fully submitted to what he's been called to. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And for him to do that, he needed a transformation experience. He needed a transfiguration. Jesus needed time in the presence of God. He brought some guys along with him who were sleeping, who were not fully awake. Until they were fully awake, they didn't realize what was going on. And I think people sit in church week after week, not fully awake, not fully alert, not fully interested in the presence of God. And they miss the glory of God. And then I realize that if we would raise our children in the presence of God, they probably wouldn't transgender. They probably wouldn't go to unnatural affections. I'm not mad against anybody. Bring anyone here who needs to hear the love of Jesus Christ. You need to understand. It's a warfare out there. Your children, your life, your business, your home, your church is in a spiritual warfare. And what we need is the presence of God. And listen, the presence of God can come when the regular pastor's not here. The presence of God can come when the Spirit of God is moving in other places. The presence of God belongs to the house of God. There needs to be bread in the house of the Lord. There needs to be the presence of God. And it will change people's lives. It'll change their minds. It'll change their soul. It'll change their spirit. It'll change their body. The presence of God brings the fullness of God, which changes people's lives. We need to be longing for, seeking for, believing for the presence of God. I'm not in any way trying to be offensive. In no way whatsoever trying to be rude. But what changes people is the presence of God. He said, there are traitors? He said, no, there's no one. He said, when you speak in your bedroom, he goes and tells them what's going on. So the king had a response. The king said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. Could you just imagine? I don't think he was going to send him to, to come make him his, his prophet. I think he was going to send them so he could get him and kill him. Kill him. Remember, friends, don't lose the scenario. We're in the middle of a spiritual warfare. He wants to kill your love for him. He wants to kill your love for others. He wants to kill you. He wants to take, out, take you out of the word of God and take the word of God out of you. And as he was told, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Now, stop. Don't get too anxious. It's not Alabama. Okay, it's not Alabama, okay? He's in the city of Dothan. A lot of unique things happen in the city of Dothan. I'm not going into the liberty of sharing that right now. But he sends out, and this is how he sends them out. He says, go get them. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose, Elisha's servant, arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. That had to be a dark night. 
That had to be a rude awakening to think that the battle's going on over there and you're like, man, we're safe. There's nothing. Nobody knows we're here. We're just, uh, he's sending messages, sending words. And this guy's been sending the messages. And all of a sudden, that army that they've been thwarting, spoiling their plans, is now surrounding around where they are. Let me point this out. It's an army. Horses and chariots, weapons. They show up in the middle of the night to come get one man. One man. One man. Makes me think of Jesus when he was out in the garden and had the same three guys that were on the mountain transfiguration with him still sleeping in the garden. And they came to him, multitudes of people came. Judas came and kissed him. But multitudes came with clubs and swords to take a man who was unarmed. Had no weapon on whatsoever. Peaceful. He was already preparing for them to come. He's willingly puts his hands out. He's guilty of nothing. And they show up on the scene to take him away. They're still trying to take the word of God away from us today. There's a spiritual warfare that's fighting against us. Don't stop at your government. Uh, don't, don't stop at, 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 at people that are educating around things. Matter of fact, I may, maybe you're aware of this. How real is this? Just this past week, some young adults and teenagers are in a small city in Wisconsin. And they're on the city sidewalk reading scripture. Not even reading from Romans 1 or from Leviticus, but they're reading because on the side of the park over there, there were transvestites dressed up for a family-friendly children audience, children under 13 years of old, age of old, exposing transgenderism to them, transvestitism to them, liberalism to them, and then they're encouraging the children to take dollar bills. Some of y'all want to know what I'm talking about right now. Some will, and I hope you're free. Dollar bills and to come and give them to the transvestites, promoting sexual activism in children 13 years old. The teenagers get handcuffed and arrested, handcuffed and arrested, put in jail. It's not against the law to read your Bible on a sidewalk, but it is against the state law of Wisconsin to promote, it's a felony to promote sexualism to children 13 and under. Francis, it's under your nose. It's at the toes. It's within your reach. There's spiritual warfare going on over a generation. Horses and chariots, police officers and Roman soldiers, religious people. Had to be a dark night. You know, I see that sign of being surrounded. Maybe yours isn't clubs and swords. Maybe it's, maybe it's medical bills. Maybe it's an eviction notice. Maybe the papers have been served to you. I want to divorce you. Maybe the doctor said to you, incurable. Maybe the bank said to you, we can't do business with you. 
Maybe there's something else going on in your life that is surrounding you. Maybe a child saying, I don't love you anymore. I don't believe what you believe. And his servant said to him, let me point out this point of the message. It's so important as servants of the Lord to go to the word first. And the servant said to him, alas, master, what shall we do? Here's a very important part of the response. Not what shall I do? That, that's our mindset. This is what I'll do, and this is what I'll do, and this is how I do it, and this is how I do it, and this is what I always do, and how I do it. This is, I know how to do this. No, 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 you don't. No, you don't. He said, what shall we do? We need to do this with the word. We need to do this with the spirit. We need to do this with the life of Christ. Let your offenses go. Because if you don't, you'll have an issue with Jesus. What shall we do? What shall we do? He asks the prophet, alas. And the prophet responds to him. First thing he says is, do not fear. That's one of those moments you kind of go, too late. You're, you're, you're a dollar short and a day late. I don't know. Have you ever been in a situation that you're already afraid? And you're like, do not fear, but fear's already there. If fear can come, fear can go. I said, if fear can come, fear can go. Well, I've read throughout the Bible, fear is a choice. You say, no, choice is when you have things to choose from. You're right. And you already have faith. He's given you faith. He said, do not fear. You see, if you fear, you already let the enemy conquer. You already let the enemy in your head. Remember, the prophet is in the enemy's head. The enemy's trying to get into his head. He's going to come to him with fear. And he says, do not fear, verse 17. And Elisha prayed. The first thing you do is you don't fear. The second thing you do is pray. Pray. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. You see, the prophet has the ability and the perch and the clarity to see what the servant couldn't yet see. And that's why Jesus said, I no longer call you my servants, but I now call you my friends. Because a servant doesn't know what's going on, but a friend knows all things. There is a place that you can get with the Lord that you have the perspective of the Lord. That you can see what he sees. You can know as he knows. You can walk in that type of revelation. Then the Lord opened his eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Yeah. He said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see that there are more for us than there are against us. He opened his spiritual eyes. We don't just need to pray because even though you say, I don't fear, I'm going to pray, you can pray out of fear. No, he said, pray that his eyes be open. Oh, that our eyes would be open. Things aren't as bad as you think they are. Things aren't as difficult as you think they are. Uh, the trouble's not as big as you think it is. You've heard me say it before, I'll say it again. Stop telling God how big your problems are and start telling your problems how big your God is. Amen? Come on, church. Elisha prayed, and his eyes were open. He realized there is more that are for him than there are against him. 
Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses. I think you need to pray for, for revelation. Pray for wisdom when things stack up or they surround you or they get into your place. There was a legend in the United States Marine Corps. Chesty Puller is his name. Chesty was known for quite a few things. But at one time in battle, they were surrounded all around them by the enemy. And I'll rephrase it just a little bit. They said, what do you think? He said, I see no way they can get away from us. We're going to take them all out. What kind of mindset do you have? What kind of mindset? How many things have we bowed to? How many things have we surrendered to? How many things have we raised the white flag and just said, okay, I'm tired of fighting this issue or that issue. I'm tired of... No. There's no way the enemy can get away from us. Why? Because we have revelation and we have wisdom. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective is that there are more fours in are against us. And even if it's a spiritual war, which are spiritual things behind it, we have the promise and the knowledge and the understanding that out of the demons and the angels, there are two-thirds angels left of the innumerable and only one-third, notice this, angels are innumerable, but God knows everything. Therefore, he can say there's two-thirds angels left and one-third demons. I thought they're innumerable, not for God, for you and I. There are more for us than there are against us. I don't know what you're facing right now. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of God. Do not fear. Pray for revelation. Pray with authority. Did you hear me? Pray with authority. Greater is he that is in you than he or that or anything that is in this world. Pray with authority. He said, strike this people with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Use prayer not only as a shield, but as a weapon. Guys, it would change everything in our lives. We don't just need to pray hidden behind our shield. It's helpful to have the shield of faith. But we need to pray. We have a sword in the other hand. Don't think it's strange for the fiery darts that are trying you right now. Now, Elisha said to them, this is not the way, nor this is the city. Remember, he's struck with blindness. He says, follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men. He blinded them, opens their eyes that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw they were inside Samaria. He led them right into captivity. He took the, listen to me, he took the ones who were coming to make him a prisoner to kill. He took them to the ones that they became prisoners to. But he didn't turn around and use the spirit of death. He said, bless them and feed them and let them go. Bless your enemies. Bless those who persecute and revile you. Bless those who speak evil of you. Bless those who, who didn't know enough to, to make you feel the way you wanted to feel. Maybe they offended you or hurt you. Bless them, it says. Say, kill them and chew them up and spit them out. Elijah led them into captivity. This is known as the war that never happened. This is known as the war that never happened. Friends, you're living in a culture, you're living in an era. This says the next war will never shoot a bullet. They're going to do it through technology. 
They're going to do it through fear, skepticism. Friends, they can't even conquer us there. They tried to ploy against no cannon shot, no rifle shot, but they were planning war that never happened. Today, I brought with me a gift that was given to me. It was just given to me last weekend when I was preaching in Cleveland, Tennessee and Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was brought to an office and a dear friend of mine who is a, I uh, thought this would be easier than it would have been, but he's a very prophetic person. While we're having dinner together last Saturday night, he said, come to my office. Walked in, he said, do you know what that is? I said, no, I, I don't really know what that is. I don't know what painting that is. And he said, oh, it's called checkmate. He said, when we're having dinner, the Lord told me I needed to give this to you, that it was yours. And immediately when I saw it and I heard the background of it, first thing that came to me was you. You. See, even when I'm away, I'm thinking about you. Praying for you. But if I hadn't been away, I wouldn't have something to bring back. And here I see this, and he says, well, he said, let me tell you a little bit about it. He said, he said, this is the devil right here. And he's playing a game of chess against a man over here that the angel is watching over his life. And the devil is in the position with his gargoyles and all the stuff around the spider getting on the table there, uh, doing a, 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 a battle over the man's soul. And the devil has him at checkmate, and the man doesn't know what to do. Checkmate means he's surrounded. There's nothing he can do. The angel's looking, realizing the man needs to make a move. What move is he going to make? Well, this picture, this is authenticated, but this picture was an artwork that hung in the Louvre over in Paris that great museum over there where Mona Lisa hangs on a wall. And the story goes back that there was a tour going on in the Louvre years ago. And in this tour was some impressive people that have done some impressive things, and one of them was a grandmaster of chess. Grandmaster. And as they were giving the tour, they stopped at this and shared about it, and they're moving on. And the, the grandmaster chess player stayed and was very intrigued by the work of art. And so the group went on and, and went a little bit further and the, the guide realized we don't have somebody with us and went back and found the grandmaster standing there and said, sir, we need to move on. Is there something I can help you with? So, well, you, you know, I'm a grandmaster of chess. He said, yes, I, I realize a, a world champion. Yes, and uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by this picture. Well, yes, this is, but yes, I know what it is. I know what's going on there. I get the spiritual of it. He said, but I have a problem with it. I said, you have a problem with it. They said, they're, they're either going to have to change the name or they're, they're going to have to change the painting. He said, I I'm sorry, sir, you have a problem with it? Change the name or change the painting? He said, yeah. He said, you know, I'm a grandmaster, and, and grandmasters have the tendency and the ability to see things kind of like Elisha, 
that the servants or others couldn't see. He said, well, what do you see? He says, the king has another move. I've got news for you today. I don't know what hell you're up against. I don't know what's troubling you and troubling you. I don't know your financial. I don't know your physical. I don't know your mental. I don't know your spiritual. But I'm here to tell you, the king has another move. You can't see it, but he will open your eyes. He will bring forth what it is that you need. He's not done. Some of you are so dead you can't comprehend it. This will not be a religious institution. This will be a house of the presence of God and for the glory of God, for the power of God. We will not lose. We will win. Although you can't see it now, the king has another move. The devil's contesting against your soul. He's yelled checkmate so many times. You can't see anything but what's surrounding you. Your health, your marriage, your finances, your children, your employment, your life personally, your faith. Can I remind you of the Red Sea? And they're running out, and they finally get the deliverance. They've been fighting for this thing and fighting for this thing. God answers. God provides. God speaks. And the enemy says, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then all of a sudden, he goes, checkmate. You can't go. And then they start running out, and they get the freedom, and they get to the Red Sea. But the king had one more move. He said, if I be lifted up. I will draw, now I part the seas and I'll draw all men unto me. And listen to me, when the sea rolled open, it closed too. And it knocked every one of those enemies off. It knocked them out, it drowned them, it annihilated them. King has one more move. Lines then. The king has one more move. How about the little boy? Jesus says, feed him boys. <clears throat> there's nowhere to buy any food. I don't know what your cupboard looks like today. I know what it could look like tomorrow. And they said, oh, there's a little boy with, with, with some fish and some loaves, two fish and five loaves. He said, bring him here. King had another move. He had one more move. He fed 5,000 hungry bellies and had 12 baskets left over. Oh, can I remind you of the woman caught in adultery? Oh, I know it's still hanging over your head of what you did and who you did it with and how it hurt other people, but I'm here to tell you, King has one more move. He said, if you need to, won't you just bring them all here and put them all around me and let them have stones in their hands because I'm not afraid of clubs nor swords. They can bring horses and chariots, but they won't have the fire that I have. He said, he said bring them all here. The woman's caught in adultery, and he says, why don't you guys cast stones at her? Anyone who was out sin, in other words, he was eliminated everybody but himself. Don't ever eliminate Jesus from your deliverance. Because he was without sin and he could have thrown a stone. Some of y'all need to stop throwing stones. 
He said, where's your accusers? There are none. I said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He had one more move. How about Good Friday? How about Good Friday? There Jesus is, hanging on a cross between two thieves. And those thieves were as good as dead. Jesus was going to die. Had his hands tied, nailed. Feet, what could he do? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He had one more move. It says then in verse 23 that the raiders of Syria... The raiders of Syria were all gone and never came back. Never came back. Once you stand to your feet this morning. Maybe you're surrounded right now. Maybe you're backed in the corner. Maybe you're living in, in checkmate right now. Perhaps you're in fear right now. Perhaps you're in financial difficulties and hardships. Perhaps it's your physical being. Today I want to pray for you that he would open your eyes. I want to pray for you that you would see what you haven't been able to see yet. That there's one more move. There's one more move. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you quickly to come stand in the front. That you need your eyes open to see him move one more time. You need the faith awakened in you that he's not done, that he's not dead. You are his chess piece. You are in the palm of his hand. He's not going to fail you. He hasn't, and he won't. Listen to me. Those thoughts of suicide, those thoughts of sexual change, mentally, physically, don't give in. There's one more move. He's not done with you. Somebody's business needs God to move one more time. Somebody's marriage needs God to move one more time. Somebody's health needs God to move one more time. The king has one more move. I believe this is the word of the Lord. I believe it's the word of knowledge for somebody. You're frustrated in your faith frustrated in your faith you're getting anxious getting troubled the Lord wants to bring you peace wants to restore your faith wants to open your eyes
That's what I'm praying for you this morning as you stand here. Lord, open their eyes that they may see. There are more for us than are against us. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God Himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.